With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the One Foot Down podcast. I am your host for tonight, Jude Seymour, senior editor and writer for One Foot Down. Joining me, as always, is Brendan McElinden, our chief inspector and also meme lord uh, for One Foot Down. And uh, Joshua cannot be with us tonight. Uh, I don't remember the exact reason, but uh, in his stead, we've got uh, our trusty fourth, Greg Flamon from UHND. Greg, how the hell are you? Boys, you ever you ever just have a have a craving for for all you can eat pasta and <laughs> and breadsticks? And sometimes you just gotta you just gotta put the order in and you and you and you get out your scissors and your and your uh your scissors and your fork and, and then you just go at it. You ever you ever go through that something like that? You know, I never leave home without my uh pasta scissors. That's right. <laughs> I have a special holster that I that I keep them in. Um for when the endless salad's not enough and you need to switch to the pasta. That's right. Brendan, a question for you. Um, yeah. Who was more pissed uh, when your in-laws showed up with Olive Garden to go? You. Oh, or boy. When that, when that picture came to uh, your house the other day, your wife. So, uh, funny thing. Yeah. So, uh, Jude did me a uh, um, a great service. He, he he made a purchase to the the good brand for me, Homefield. Um, <laughs> so, we actually got our Homefield stuff the same day that your package arrived. And we got some sweatshirts. Um, so, there was the larger package. And I knew you told me that a pit shirt was coming. And I was yeah. like, I'll try and... I'll have Christy open that one. I was like, oh, yeah, the, the other one's probably for the shirts. I'll, I'll open the sweatshirts. You open that one. Uh, <laughs> so I watched her. So she's opening up the package. And the way that they put it is on the top, you'd got her uh, very generously a Fire Up Chips uh, lady shirt. And she goes, the first thing she goes is, what the heck? I thought you said you ordered me a Notre Dame shirt. And I was like, well, yeah, I, I did. And then she went to the next shirt, which I got the uh, – <laughs> the yellow Notre Dame hockey shirt, which was the same color. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she knew I was getting that one, which was also perfect. Um, and she goes, what is in like, she had to like self-censor herself. <laughs> Cause our daughter, our six year old daughter was right there. And Sophia's was like, what's the matter, mommy. And she just, Christy glares at me and she goes, Somebody got us a pit shirt, and we don't wear a pit in this house. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I was was telling a local friend of mine, I go, I don't even know. I said, my buddy, I don't even know his wife. I said, but I managed to piss her off uh, and troll her. And I said, it was... It was, you know, the total, uh, the total buy-in was like 30 bucks. I, it was, it was great um, to just, to have heard that reaction. So um, I, I was in there and, you know, I figured, you know what, I'm going to make her mad. I might as well get her a shirt while I'm in here, save myself the money on the shipping. Um, and so 
I just I totally took a, a guess at the at the size or whatever. But uh, you know, they did have a women's shirt, which was it's kind of rare to have a women's shirt that not all schools have the women's shirts. So I figured, you know what, uh, with you going to CMU, that that would be enough of a connection. And then to come to find out that she actually went to CMU too. So uh, fire up chips could actually it could be actually a, a something you could wear to. Uh, do you guys ever go to Central Michigan games? I haven't been to um, I haven't been to a Central Michigan game since I got kicked out of <laughs> for standing in the stadium on a Thursday night with ESPN two in town screaming "fuck Doug Flutie" at the top of my lungs, ah. just ad nauseum when Boston College was in town. That's awesome. Yeah, that's Chris, a, I, that's, think, that's I think I think Christy almost go got me killed that night because she picked a fight with like. Uh, a guy the size of like Big Joe, fully tatted up, and he was she was like bumping elbows with him, and like talking shit to him, and like I'm you know, all of six foot, hundred and fifty five pounds, and I'm like I'm Christy, and she's like five foot nothing, ninety pounds of nothing, and <laughs> this guy just looks back at me and is like, you better get her or else you're going to die. <laughs> So I got to ask, what's the plan for the picture? Are you going to put it on a scarecrow and burn it in effigy? Uh, is it going to become the, the like the lawn mowing shirt? Like uh, what becomes of, of a picture that can't be worn in the presence of your wife? It's got to it's got to have a good uh, are you gonna have go, a good use. Are you going to have yeah. like secret uh, work conferences and you'll you'll bring it with you so you can you can actually wear it? I mean, it could be a good. I mean, it's fantastic fantastically comfortable right yeah um yeah. so it it's not something that can't not be used i, I gotta figure out a good a good well, well i was thinking it. that whenever Pitt played like clemson or something can you wear it then Ooh, that's a good question to unlock the um, the pit super weapon the super weapon <laughs> i would here's here's the thing is i probably would be more open to doing so as soon as Pitt moves on from Pat Narduzzi. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the bad coaches in America, or I guess of the coaches of bad teams in America, is there a coach less likable than Pat Narduzzi? I mean, Pat, is, 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 is it a Pat thing? Is it a Pat yeah. thing? It's, it's got to be a Pat thing. My, my email address is hashtag I don't care. I mean, does it have an email right address? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, and Greg, I, I assume that you got your shipment as well, and that was well-received in your household? It was well-received. I took a chance, and I, bu I bought something, um, I bought a tank top for my wife without oh, yeah. really the, the checking. Yeah. yeah, and she loves it. She really? she wore it again today. I think she's worn it every day since we've got it. And it's it's really, it's really hit or miss with these things, as you guys probably know. Yeah. Um, you never know if it's going to be like a good purchase or not a great purchase. And the good news is that since she likes it, I know that it'll um, when when the when the charge comes up on the credit card, <laughs> it, it, it's like yeah, but you like it, so you can't get yes. mad. So that's how it works. Yeah. You know, I did the I did the the cowardly uh, husband thing, which is I I ordered the shirts and then thought, well, how am I going to explain this charge? Um, and so we're hanging out the day that I, it was the Saturday, um, the, the first day that it was on sale. 
and my wife gets the mail and she's got this package in her hand. I go, what's this? She goes, I ordered new Fabletics for myself. And I go, oh man, how much did that run me? And she's like, uh, like 120 bucks. And I was like, oh, thank God. I was like, well, Perfect. I should tell you, I just ordered a bunch of home field. And she's like, uh, I go, yeah, it was, it was comparable. It was comparable. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I don't think she would think it's as humorous to, uh, have sent a, a package to Brendan and his wife, but you know what? What she doesn't know doesn't it oh, doesn't hurt anybody. Don't worry. It doesn't hurt anybody. Christy, so. Christy and I have uh, uh, we have a plan in the works for a kickback. So uh, don't worry. Oh, okay. Wow. Kickback. Holy cow. All right. So, all right, guys. Um, plenty to talk about tonight, and we can we can really start uh, anywhere. And I would love to talk about um, first. I would love to talk about Brendan. Uh, doing his normal meme thing where he was just goofing and I think was basically just trying to make Greg laugh and it turned into a whole a whole production. Uh, and so while we have Greg here, let's kind of recap this a little bit again. Uh, Greg made a meme of uh, of Greg passing a note to Tommy Reese and, and looks like a <laughs> looks like a, a class in Notre Dame or whatever. And Tommy opens up the note to find out it says play Kyle on offense. Um, and you know, and, and if, if it had just been that and we all, you know, gave him his three likes or whatever and had a good laugh about that, um, I, I still think it would have been pretty fun. But, uh, what happened and said was Kyle Hamilton retweeted it. Tommy Rees replied to it. Marcus Freeman replied to Tommy Rees. Kyle's dad got involved. Kyle's mom got involved. Uh, Kyle's mom was dropping hot fire about his offensive stats from high school. Um, and so I guess my question to both of you is if we thought the chance of Kyle playing on offense was maybe 0% or, you know, less than 1%, does, do you think this public conversation has, has um, changed anything? Or do you think that this has brought to light something that these conversations are still possibly ongoing about Kyle Hamilton playing offense for Notre Dame in, in 2021? You want me to go, Brennan? Yeah, or, right. Okay. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So this is what I think. I, I it's it's I think it matters that the parents were publicly in in favor. Um so I think that matters. Also, there's a there's another tidbit, so we may touch on this later, but like pretty big recruiting weekend um that Notre Dame just had, and one of the players who visited was this kid, Jake Pope, and he's from Georgia, Georgia safety. Mm-hmm. And he apparently Notre Dame is pitching him on playing both ways. Oh. So he met with the defensive coaches and he met with the offensive coaches. I guess he went with, met with Tommy Reese. And if that's the case, like, how are you going to pitch a kid that he can go both ways, but Kyle Hamilton is not going both ways. Like, I feel like, if the kid is like, well, I need to see it first, right? Like you, yeah. you need to show me. So if you're not going to do it with Kyle, who many people are saying could be the greatest safety of like this generation of all time since many earth, people. many people are saying this, <laughs> many people are saying this. And if that's true and you're not going to play him on offense, then it's not really credible. So it makes me think maybe there's a little something, you know, and I told, um, Michael Muto on our podcast, I think it's it's very much non-zero at this point. Before I thought there's no chance, and now I feel like there is some chance 
there's like a Trump's a Trump percentage chance that he would have won the 2016 election and so what do you know it's, it's guaranteed to happen and what do you know i'm just saying it's so, out there now i so, would say that there's a better than zero simply because um, i mean it's fun to goof about but in social media these days and notre dame's done a pretty good job you know with the wisconsin series um sort of kicking that off i I don't think that they do anything that isn't by design, at least to an extent. It was almost too perfect how they went back and forth with one another. And um, Marcus Freeman, uh, I I don't know, just the, the the fact that he responded with a gif and that it was a perfect gif and a very funny gif. It was, uh, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin doing the ha 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 no. Um right. I don't know. It it just to me, like like Greg said, for the the parents to actively sign off on it, for Kyle to seemingly sign off on it, and for Tommy Reese to, for whatever reason, uh, you know, trolling or not, sign off on it. Um, there's got to be a wrinkle, at least a, a a few wrinkles thrown in there, right? I yeah. I mean, I, I think we've seen we've certainly seen players retweet. Uh, memes that they're that they've been in or whatever that people put them in or, and just you know made little snarky comments about them but i think that the coach taking it started it off as a like okay now we're just we're running with it and by the time the official football rec- account was you know doing the the uh the hamilton you know broadway send-up of you know kyle hamilton all-american or whatever like we had come basically full circle on a on a joke that didn't start with them but but really they they you know, put a cherry on top of the, on this, uh, of this Sunday. So I, I thought it was, I thought it was a great use of, of, of social media media. It was fun. It, it generated a lot of fun chatter. Um, you know, I, I think, I, I don't know, maybe, I don't know that it changes anything, but I guess I'm most curious about, and maybe start with Greg on this one. Like, do you see them if they do do this? Is it is it situational? Is it like goal line, like they did with Jeff Burris, uh, Lou Holtz did with Jeff Burris? Is it um, is it a package of plays? Is it we'll do it in a blowout? Like what? Where? Like how do you conceive of this sort of looking like if you were if you were like trying to put something together for Kyle Hamilton for 2021 on offense? I think it would start as a package. So you, you would be something like a red zone thing or maybe, um, you know, some sort of, you know, just just a, a handful of plays, like a hand, like a little package that they can do when he's in the game. And and then you, you kind of build from there. Right. So you could I could see a scenario where. Like if it was me, I would put it out there in the first game so that teams are just, OK, this is a thing, you know, yeah. like this is a thing they're going to try. And while it's just a package, you don't have him out there for, you know, it's not, he's not going to be out there for three, four, five consecutive plays, right? So while the package may be small, the opponent doesn't actually know how deep the package is. <laughs> so, so yeah. it's like, it, it might, it, it might, it's like, man, Crazy. you know, the, the, you, you only need like three or four plays or maybe even five, but. If you run, if you have him out there for three or four plays in a game, you just think, what, what, how, how, how much do they have here? Like, how much are they gonna actually do? And then you just kind of build on it, right? So if if it gets to the point where, 
Notre Dame is actually is is a really good team. Let's say they're, you know, let's say they they get past in October, right? And they throw him in there against uh, USC and North Carolina, and he's got let's say three touchdown catches or something like that by that point. And I think if I remember right, the schedule kind of levels out a little bit. What you can do at that point is you can just kind of pull back on it and install more things because then you start to thinking about the postseason and then that's when you really you really turn it loose then because now it's like we're we're at a point where we're playing some of the best teams and you want them out there a little bit more so what you do is you just kind of ease them into it you give them a little you give them a little bit more you give them a little bit more nibbles and then if it starts to become a thing and it starts working then you just build from there so is this a is this a um if he's on the field, the ball is going – he's at least going to be looked at or the ball is going to him, mm. whether it's on a, a pass or a reverse. Or is he going to be used as a decoy more often than he's actually going to be used as a target? What do you think? I would lean more towards a decoy. And I look – and I think the example – the best example for how, at least in the modern game, um, of looking how teams have taken similar quote-unquote talent uh, would be Jabril Peppers on that yeah. 2016 Michigan team. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. He didn't touch the ball offensively until Colorado, and then he kind of the, the next two games were Penn State and Wisconsin, and he didn't touch the ball. But after that Wisconsin game, um, it was he was touching the ball three and a half, four times a game the rest of the season, and but he was out there probably a solid eight or nine snaps, and a lot of it was doing jet faking sweeps to him. Um, they'd fake a jet sweep to Jabril or they'd make it look like, I don't think that he caught more than a handful of passes. If he caught four passes that season, um, I'd be kind of shocked. Uh, nope, two pass. he got two passes. But they'd send him out there just as a as a decoy and it would you know free up the underneath for, for somebody because they thought, well, if he's out there, then they're going to they're gonna go to Peppers. And I, I would imagine they would do the same thing for um, Hamilton, right? What I would do is I would... In the first game, I'd put him out there for two plays. I'd run him on some sort of a deep pass, not planning to throw it to him. And then I'd put him in a couple plays later and like run away from him just to see what the defense does. How do they react to this? What, what do they do when he comes in? If they don't do anything, then great. Right. If they treat him like just a player, then that's what you want. If they if they react to him a certain way, then that's like information to you as well. So then the next series, I would put him in and I would I would take a shot with him again just to see, because then it sends a signal to every other team you play. And a it could also just work outright. And then and then so then. Teams, if someone's on the field for three plays and one of them is a deep shot and the first play is just kind of like a deep route, you can't you can't just not notice that. You have to notice it. And I would also get him out there with like make sure he was out there with Kevin Austin and make sure he was out there with Michael Mayer and Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams because you can't not notice him. And it just – scrambles like everyone's brain when he's out there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. What, like, ah, like we have this guy 
and we also have these guys. So it just like how how aggressive can you really be as a play caller when you have all these people out there and and there's a there's a wild card like Kyle where it's like they could do a lot of things. What what do they have up their sleeve with him, you know? So right. that's what I would do. And that's a beautiful thing about them locking. I guess if there is a, a beautiful thing about the state-run media of them locking down practice is that Notre Dame could be installing an entire Kyle package in secrecy and no one would be the wiser because they just don't put those clips in the package release that they, you know, dump at three o'clock every day or whatever it is. Yeah. I feel like the, the player, I feel like the players would chat that up though. If that was happening, I might be naive about that. Do you think they could all keep that a secret? Yeah. I think they could. You know, without even making like little allusions to it on social media or anything. And giving people like hints. Okay. Dropping some JJ uh, Abrams Easter eggs out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, there's some there's some playoff talk. I, I definitely want to talk about you guys. Uh, you two in particular seem way more fired up about this 12 team playoff um, proposal than I do, and and so I would love to have you guys share your thoughts. But before we do that, I want to talk about. Um, we've got the new June enrollees. They showed up on campus on, on Friday. Um, and I just wanted to maybe start with Greg on this one. Uh, of the guys who have just shown up, not the early enrollees, but the freshmen have just shown up, um, who do you think could make a difference um, by the first game? And who do you think could make a difference by the end of the season? Because those might be two different answers. Yeah. Um, I, so I made a joke about Olive Garden at the beginning <laughs> so if i i feel like if i don't mention audric estime i will not be welcome back on the pod <laughs> Fair so enough. i will mention audric estime and i think that's actually true i think that he has a chance to um actually carve out a role on this team because because Logan Diggs is a kind of a versatile guy. And and so he he already has Kyron and Tyree ahead of him. And so I think his time will probably come after Kyron leaves. And then, so then he can be a compliment to Tyree. Whereas the only kind of just running back on the roster is Sibo. And, and so then if something were to happen to him, um, let's say like he, he turned his ankle last year and they need just like, Hey, we just need a guy who's going to come in and he's a running back. Yeah. And that's, he's not, he, we're not motioning him out. We're, you know, we're not doing all the flashy throwing stuff. We're not doing the jet sweeps. We're just giving them the ball. If they need someone to do that, I think estimate could fulfill that role. Um, and he could give he could honestly give Sebo a run for carries, you know, without an injury. So I think he's one. Um I, I don't know if I would have said this before track season, but Deion Colsey's running ten eights at six four or whatever he is, six five. And he's high jumping six eight. That's athleticism I did not think he had. <laughs> yeah, put that in perspective for for those of us who didn't do track and field in, in high school or in or college. Like, wh- like why is this so impressive? Is it because of his height? Is it because of uh, what is it? it? To me, it's because of the other 
because of his dimensions. Yeah. So he's he's a six four guy, probably around two ten, two fifteen. Um. So Kevin Austin, let's just his his um his dimensions are something like six three, probably around two ten, two fifteen, right? His times in the hundred are like eleven flat, ten ninety eight. Okay. Which for someone his size, that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're running in the 10.8s, what you're really saying is a low 10.8 too, and multiple times. So it's not like he caught a flyer in one race. Like he has sure. a couple 10.8s there. So you're talking about there's just a certain amount of explosiveness and acceleration that goes along with that. And it really lends itself to being able to separate on something like a deep post, right? And it's not that I think that it's 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 not Randy Moss, you know what I mean? But it's it's just one of those things where, oh wow, like I really thought he was more of a possession guy. This is like you're this is a vertical threat now. Like this is actually something that a defensive back needs to be concerned with when he lines up outside. Like he could actually just run by me, and that's not something that defensive backs are really. They don't like that, that you don't like feeling like that, that someone could just run by you. Um, so I think he has a chance, especially given the fact that now there aren't that many receivers that um, that are underclassmen, right? There's no juniors. We, we've talked about this a number of times. There's no juniors. There's one sophomore. So there's there's opportunity. And when there's opportunity, you get a guy who can just has the athletic ability to do it. I think he's one. Is, is that is that something that shows up on his his high school tape, or is it just so hard to to gauge that when um, guys may be so head and shoulders above their, the competition that they're playing anyway? It didn't show up to me. Okay. I I, I like I just saw him as kind of like a possession guy, like yeah. Malcolm Johnson. Like yeah. I, that's how I kind of saw him. And but I, I if if I recall correctly. I mean, he's been committed for such a long time. It's like, I just kind of forget these things. But um, he, I, I believe he plays in an offense that mainly throws the, I mean, runs the ball. Okay. And so I think they were in a running offense, and I don't think their quarterback play was, you know, to the standard that's going to take advantage of someone like uh, Deion Colsey. Okay. So maybe in a different environment, you know, you, you, you get out on the track and you work on your speed. Maybe he's never worked on it before. Um, so I, I would say him, so him estimate, um, let me just think here for a second. I mean, well, Prince so Tally, Logan Diggs is of... coming in. Uh, yeah, there's, there's Jojo Johnson's probably going to play, um, probably going to play in defense cause his number's 20, right? Unless they're going to move. <laughs> there's only, well, there's only one, um, oh, that's a good point actually. Yeah, because unless unless Lee, unless Sebo Flemister wants to change his number, uh, Jojo Johnson taking number twenty, which he's already taken, it's confirmed. Yeah, uh, yeah. he's playing cornerback. And they don't have any they don't have any slots. They don't have a nickel since the other number twenty left the program. He's the only one they've had for six years. Um, so that's a good point, actually, about him. I uh, I, I do love Car I like I love Cargie. Um, and I love the fact that we're going to have a safety use number 29. That's fun, right? <laughs> sure. I don't I don't know what to think about him. Like I really don't. I haven't like he he signed so late. I didn't really get a good feel for the type of player that he is. 
Um, it's, it's sort of similar to um, probably Colsey in that there will be opportunity for him. I hear a lot of buzz about Prince Kali. Is that somebody who can make a difference in the first year? Or is he just a traffic jam at linebacker and it's really not going to maybe on special teams or something? It's going to be spots next year, that's for sure. Right. Yeah. I think I think I think it's a, the traffic jam, like you said. Yeah. Like, how does that? Where do his snaps go? Come from? Where do they? Yeah. I don't. I don't know where. But then, I didn't see who 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 was it. Where I was like, I don't know where this guy's snaps come from. I guess maybe 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 Michael Mayer. I remember Tim O'Malley. He put in one of his articles like, uh, Michael Mayer is gonna break the the freshman reception record. And this was, I was like, where, where do those receptions come from? Like, I don't, I don't disagree. He's going to play, but I was like, I don't understand. He's going to leap over tremble and Brock, Wright (laughs) As the third tight end, this is going to happen. And it happened. So look, if you're good enough and you're the, if you're a baller like that, then I'll obviously do it. Right. But I guess Jack Kaiser looks really good at that Rover spot. So you know, but look, maybe he can, uh, maybe he can crack the two deep. Yeah. Maybe it's just like, hey, we gotta, we gotta rotate him because he's too good for that. So that's hey, definitely possible. Brendan, I know you jumped in a little bit when Greg was talking, but is there anybody that Greg didn't mention that you that you kind of been intrigued by or think might make a difference in the 2021 season? I mean, it it really does come down. I, I don't think either the receivers, Jaden Thomas or Deion Colsey, probably just because. If there's going to be an impact from a freshman receiver, it's going to be in the return game, probably. And Lorenzo Styles is going to be the punt. Is might probably be the punt returner, right? Might probably. <laughs> Way to hedge there, buddy. <laughs> and well, that's the thing with Kelly and punt returns. And I guess it's unfair to say Kelly and punt returns. Just the punt return and the return game in general, um, due to rule changes. Uh, it's just not as dynamic a thing as it was yeah. when Zibakowski was housing them or, or Timmy you know, Brown, yeah. Timmy Brown or Rocket Ishmael, uh, Bo, Bo punting to, to Rocket. Um, are you like, yeah, Bo it's just, name anymore? Uh, a, you shouldn't say yeah. Bo Shemblecker's name anymore. Uh, yeah, he's right up there with just a, a quick aside about the Bo Shemblecker story. And for those who are following, there was a pretty serious accusation leveled by his um, about by his son regarding conduct yeah. of the of the team medical doctor, right? Is that right, Dr. Anderson? Yeah, uh, not only not only his son, but uh, former players. There's a 240 page deposition that took place over 37 years, um, alleging that uh, Bo Schembechler knew that a team doctor um, was sexually assaulting student athletes under Schembechler's watch. And just like with Paterno, nothing at that university happened. Um, nothing happened that they weren't aware of. Right. The difference would, here is that Joe Pa was alive to defend himself right. from the accusation, whereas you know, Bo is obviously passed along. The Bo thing that bugs me the most, and I think Brendan brought this up in our, in our chat, is um, they keep referring to biological son and adopted son. Like somehow that's, that makes them like, it makes him less credible that he, that the accusation came from his adopted son. Oh, the worst was Jim Brantz that are made the radio rounds over the weekend. And yesterday who was, uh, he was one of Bo's first, uh, you know, he was on Bo's first teams. So he enrolled at Michigan when Bo first got there. And then Brantz became essentially the, the voice of Michigan football. He does their play by play. 
Um, he, he does the, we did color commentary and now he does the play by play for them. Um, and he was, he was doing all of the gross stuff, right? The victim blaming, um, he accused one player who got kicked off of the team in 1980 for, for drug use. And the player came up and said, you know, Bo knew about this. Um, I was sexually assaulted as a, you know, young teen and he was saying, yeah, well, he was on drugs, you know, and it's like, well, why do you think he was on drugs? Bud? <laughs> and then he, yeah, he referred to Bo's, uh, the, the son that's accusing him as his uh, adopted son. And then he said uh, his biological son, I can't remember, it's like Swifty or whatever the hell his Trent. name is. <laughs> uh, yeah, they make that elimination between the two like an adopted son isn't worth as much was this an extremely gross thing yeah to assert and it's been a really common thing among um the the people who are covering the program bo schembechler is a scumbag i hope he rots in hell um i hope he's getting pineapple shoved up there every day just with joe paterno <laughs> um fuck that guy when you have the kind of power that you have and you abuse it to that extent and not only that but when According to his son um, that said that when he was a child, went to see this doctor, and he came to tell Bo Schembechler what happened, and his son says that Bo Schembechler told him to shut up, beat him, and beat his first wife. Um, Bo Schembechler is a horrible human being, um, and he gets what's coming to him every day. So, Brendan, as our our Anna Arbor correspondent— What's your best guess about what how what effect, if any, this has on the Michigan football season? Is this a Paul that kind of always seems to linger over the season? Is something that Harbaugh gets asked about repeatedly, or is it just sort of a a, a summer storyline that kind of fades into the background as as the real season begins? Well, they were they were dealt quite the uh, quite the hand because the playoff news dropped essentially at the same time. Sure. So this should be the biggest story in college football this offseason, right? Bo Schembechler is one of the, I guess, for especially for boomers, he's kind of, you know, one of the, the Mount Rushmore's of coaches. Sure. Um, as a program, though, he needs to be wiped from the, the program, but that's very difficult because Jim Harbaugh essentially cosplays every weekend uh, <laughs> in the fall as – Bo Schembechler. He's a Bo guy. Uh, the entire notion of Michigan man, that that phrase was coined by Jim Harbaugh, the entire Michigan man notion. Um, wearing the whistle, the stupid glasses, the tiny block M uh, on, you know, poofy hat. That's that Jim wears now. That's all Bo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got to knock that off. Um, the team, the team, the team, which is a chant that they talk about. You got to get rid of it. That's a Bo Schembecklerism. Those who stay will be champions. You got to get rid of it. It's Bo Schembechler. The entire, the 10 year war, right, between Ohio State with Woody Hayes and Bo mm-hmm. Schembechler, um, that can't be looked on with the same sort of reverence. Michigan hitched the, like the cult of personality that was Bo Schembechler. Um, the nice thing about Notre Dame is if one of the, you know, Keystone coaches, were to be scrubbed, right? Like if something came out about um, Era or Lou, um, yeah. you know, Divine or Lou or whoever, um, the program would be okay because they're, the program's not defined by one singular coach. Michigan is defined 
in essence, by Bo Schembechler. I mean, he was there for 37 years. He became the athletic director. Um, it's a lot like Beamer, and uh, but Beamer didn't have anything that followed him. I, it's a lot like Paterno, where it's very difficult to kind of look at Penn State as a program and separate it from Joe Paterno. Um, and I think that Penn State's actually done a pretty good job. Um, but I'm not sure if Michigan's going to be willing to. Speaking of uh, icons that we have sentimentality for and, and played maybe a, a dad role, does the passing of, of Ned Beatty mean anything to either one of you guys? Does that does that hit uh, hard just because he played Rudy's dad, or it's just sort of like, okay, that was an actor who died? Uh, the latter for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's I, you know, he, I, it was a great role. He did a good job, but it, like when I heard of his passing, I just thought, well, how old was he? I mean, I feel like maybe that's just time, right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was interesting that the the school put something out, I, yeah, which is nice. I mean, it's not you know very time. curious that the school leaned into it like that. Yeah. The problem for me, um, always with him is. Uh, Deliverance. The movie Deliverance. <laughs> Squeal like a pig. Squeal like a pig. I yeah. Mean, yeah. It's very difficult for me to disassociate that particular scene uh, from him, uh, which always, you know, as I watch Rudy later in life, um, I can't help but to think it. See, Ned Beatty for me for before Rudy was Superman. Um, oh yeah. You know, the the one of the baddies in Superman. So. Yeah, the bumbling uh, sidekick henchman. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, okay, so I, I alluded to it earlier, and I, and I definitely do want to talk about it because I feel like both of you guys have strong feelings about it. This proposal at this point, it's not a, it's a, I, I believe it's a recommendation. It's not set in stone, and, and there has already been some talk about ways to improve it, but this 12-team playoff expansion, possibly as early as 2023, possibly as late as 2026, um, the idea that the first four rounds, first four top four by, uh, seeds would go to conference champions with the best overall records, that six conference champions in total would get into the playoffs along with six at-large bids, um, that Notre Dame, as a, as a result of not being in a conference, would be, be able to be have no, no better than a five-seed regardless of how they fared in the, in the regular season. Um, that first-round games would be hosted by the higher seed at their home stadium. But at this point, the proposal is to protect the bowl system and start quarterfinal games in, um, in, in the, you know, this sort of significant bowl. So there's a lot of avenues we can take this down, but I just want to get some general thoughts to, to, to start us off. Um, Greg, you've kind of, you've kind of, um, moved a little bit on your opinion here so tell us how you tell us how you're currently feeling about this well i, I have a I, I have a question for both sure. of you i guess because I, let's say let's just because i want i want to set the i, I want to set the i, I don't want to say standard i don't know but i just want to set the playing set the field i guess yeah, yeah well just like if it let's say a tomorrow they come out and they announce actually notre dame can get a buy with a top four seed where where do you stand with the whole thing at that point? Then I guess my question is, what's there to be pissed off at at, at that point? Would it, like so, but but then it would be just then 
what you would have to be pissed off about is the fact that you know they're they're adding they're adding a tournament basically. Yeah. They that's, they're that's pulling what, the old they're pulling a Meg Ryan on us. This is what's okay. happening here. What's pulling uh, Meg Ryan? Explain. Yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so here's what I mean by I pulling Meg Ryan. Um, and uh, I was reading uh, Stuart Mandel today in the Athletic. He uh, he wrote an article about how um, the playoffs coming, but it's probably going it's probably going to be at the cost of the regular season, right? That noted that that college football had the quirkiest, most interesting uh, regular season at sports, and that by establishing this 12 game essentially you know extended playoff, you're taking away something that made college football great. And the reason why I call it the Meg Ryan is because during the comments when I was, you know, when I was reading it, there was uh, athletic directors who were saying that um, when they went, when they moved to four teams, they felt like the um, regular season suffered because (laughs) everything came, became the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So they, so they're doing a Meg Ryan in that, Meg Ryan got plastic surgery and it was a debacle. So she doubled down and she got even more plastic surgery <laughs> to try and make her face look better. I believe this failed. is actually called the Tara Reed, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think we're going to get one higher than the other on this <laughs> one. Uh, but yeah, double down and just by the end of it is completely unrecognizable. Mm. Like doesn't even look and in, in, so the solution, and here's my question, um, before the playoff, what was wrong? Were there any complaints about the regular season? I mean, I, I don't think so. I, I struggle to think back to, do you remember the first weekend would always have marquee games and it seemingly lasted into the third week where there would be marquee. Yeah. Um, the second week always had, it was always like this the, the sneaky breathing. good. Well, or, or the second week was the the weird place to put Citadel in or Furman or anything. Oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. And then yeah, it got yeah. back to the real action. And then the, the third, third week, week I, because yeah. the third week always was a good one, too. And it kind of feels like once the playoff started, it moved away from it. And I don't see it coming back. I just, I just, sure, in November, more teams are going to quote unquote be in it. But yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's to steal Greg's kind of idea. If can we level set and acknowledge that expanding to a 12 team playoff diminishes the excitement of the regular season? I think that's fair. It diminishes the excitement to making the playoff too, because then it's not excitement about making the playoff. Then it's more disappointment for having not made the playoff. Well, and I also think that, that, Maybe this is a distinction that no one will make, but if you are getting your team in as a 12 seed and just getting um, waxed by the five seed every year, uh, yeah, you made the playoff, but you haven't really, you've only made the playoff because they've expanded the playoff, right? It's just, I feel like there should be another level of, you, you made the playoff and won a game, right? It's... Well, and even if you win a game, right? So let's say, um, let's say Notre Dame makes the playoff, well, and I they're the seventh seed, I think and then they a, beat right, BYU. I think Notre Dame's a, a bad example here because in last year's scenario, right, they're the five seed playing Coastal, and okay, so they beat Coastal, 
and then they lose their next game to I, I, I'm trying to remember what the matchup was. Oklahoma, right? They lose the next game to Oklahoma. Like, did you do you feel like you progressed farther than you had in 2018 or 2020? I, I'd argue no. No, if anything, you gave Oklahoma progression because they got their first playoff win because they were yeah, facing a Notre Dame team that had to play an extra game. Um you know, immediately beforehand. Right. I, I think that I think, and I said this on our pod as well, the untitled pod is that, you know, they, everyone is talking about these games. It's like, Oh, Notre Dame would have played coastal. Well, maybe, but coastal was ranked 12th because it didn't matter that they were ranked 12th. That's right. Uh, absolutely That's another fair thing. point. And so, point. so like, you know, there, there's just going to be constant conversations about like it, the all of this does is instead of talking about the, you know, the top four and those seedings, we're going to be talking about all the seedings and all the matchups. Now you have the the committee in charge of the matchups. And there's going to be there's going to be conversations about, you know, the five and then. They put the 12 in. The 12 is not – see, the, the reason that it works in other sports, like in football, right, like in the NFL, the reason it works is because no one picks the seeds. You are allotted a seed based on where you finish in the regular season. Yep. These are – this is getting picked. Yep. It, it, all it is four, is going to be – That 4-5 debate but, is right. going to be absolutely mass hysteria. <laughs> But Greg, right. I, but Greg, I would argue that the Bulls have been picking their their favorite matchups for years, and that's why we've gotten um, some really lopsided matchups with Notre Dame, where they're taking Notre Dame to play a team that is frankly a lot better than Notre Dame, and and that's contributed to this this um, big bull drought, right? Right, but nobody cares because. I mean, I, I care. No, but you care. But like the the nation doesn't care. It's not a national conversation because well, what I does it matter? I think the nation does care in the sense that they perpetuated the myth that Notre Dame can't win the big game, right? And and a part of that is that the Fiesta Bowl's hunger to see Notre Dame and Ohio State was kind of unfair to Notre Dame because they weren't at Ohio State caliber, but they were available to the Fiesta Bowl, so they took them. Do you see my point? True, but but what what I'm saying is the stakes are just completely in different universes. Yeah. The stakes of N- Notre Dame are they going to play Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl or are they going to play someone else in another bowl? The winner of which, you know, in in which a, in a game where maybe three four players opt out to prepare for the draft, like it just they're completely it's narrative based. This is this actually has real stakes. Who gets the twelve against the five, and who is the six and not the five? Like it just there, or the or the eight or the nine. You know, are you is the eight gonna get to host the game, or is the nine gonna get to? Um, yeah, that's big. You know, like that's a big, sure. flip is gonna right. That's a big deal. And and like, how do you how do you like? It could be the difference, but let's say Notre Dame is the eight, and and uh, let's I don't know, pick a team. Um, uh, Florida State because Florida State. In, in Florida State. Okay, and Florida State is the nine. If if you flip it, Notre Dame's going to Florida. 
Yep. And then you go the other way, then Florida Florida State's coming to South Bend. That's right. a big deal. Yep. It is a, quite it, a big deal. Yeah. And I how do you, and how do you, what is the merit based argument for eight versus nine? Usually it's nothing. Usually it's just all subjective. Right. So and, that's and that. So that's contentious. where that's where all that's coming from. Now maybe you're someone who's okay with that. And okay, whatever. You know, my my opinion is is that. There, 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 there is going to have to be a a switch of our collective mindset in the way that we view the sport. That's just the way it is. You know, the way that you view the regular season, you just need to flip it because now there's a tournament at the end of all this, and and maybe maybe that's a good thing. You know, we we think it isn't, but maybe maybe it's like, hey. Maybe that's not so bad, right? Because I, I always think of the 2017 team where when they lost brutally the way they did against Miami, it was over. Mm-hmm. You're not making the playoff, not after a loss like that. Who cares where you finish at this point? doesn't make a difference. You can't be a playoff team. And they fell apart, right? Especially in the last two weeks. Then they regrouped in the bowl game, but – at sure. that point, it's like it's just different. Whereas in that system, maybe they fall to ten. Where did they even fall, actually, to eight? Well, I will tell you that in 2017, Miami would have been the ten seed based on where they ended up. So, <laughs> but know. but Notre Dame went from three to eight after right. the Miami game, right? So because right. it was 21 versus eight against Stanford. So right. maybe it's like, hey, we can still we can still host a game in the eight spot. If we remain in the eighth spot, if we go to Stanford sure. and win, we will get to host a, a, a playoff game or a tournament game. I don't even call it a playoff game. We will host it, get to host a game in the tournament. That is, is a mindset difference for that team. And maybe they go into it just a completely different way. So there's that part of it. Um. Greg, I know you. I know you hate the the idea that a, a twelve and zero number one ranked Notre Dame team could no could be no higher than a five seed. Is there? Can you can you conceive of any kind of advantage of artificially lowering Notre Dame and 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 because of that, artificially promoting a lesser team? This is sort of a Pete Sampson type argument where if we look at that two thousand twelve bracket. Um, Notre Dame would drop to a fifth seed uh, as a 12 and 0 number one ranked team, which is of course not ideal, and not get the bye. Um, they would play it, you know, it, assuming that you know um, we didn't change anything around. They would play hosted Oklahoma, which of course they'd already proven they could have beaten that year. Um, and, and in doing so, the winner plays number four, four seeded FSU, which was actually 12th ranked FSU. Um, that year, but because by nature of them being the fourth best um, conference champion winner that year, they get the four seed. Is there is there is there any way that you say to yourself that could actually be a net positive for Notre Dame? Um. Well, they would have ended up on Alabama's side of the bracket, right? Absolutely. You got to yes, but but I would argue. I, I guess my counter argument to that is you got to play Alabama at some point, right? Right, but I mean, it's it's they ended up playing Alabama anyway. But the point is, is like if they were the actual number one, right? Then that makes Alabama the two, and they're at the bottom of the bracket. Sure. Yeah. 
So I guess my thing is, is now Notre Dame has to beat Oklahoma twice. Yep, absolutely. And the second time is an elimination contest, which it wasn't the first time because here is Oklahoma again. So like, yeah. so who did, who did that benefit? That benefited right. one team a lot and more it de- than the and other It definitely team. took the magic out of that, that big win in, in Norman, right? Right. It's it, honestly, it's the redux of the 2020 Clemson game. No one, no one says anything about how Oklahoma, if, if X, Y, Z would have happened, the game goes different. It doesn't matter. They only played one time. So it's like, I, Sure. Right. You want to go back in time and there maybe there is a there's a conception where, oh, you know, it would have worked out this time. Look, this whole concept of of like the rankings stop mattering. When did when did that happen? Like, when was that a thing in college football where it's like, no, the rankings are actually unimportant now? Where you were the best team, but now you're going to be the fifth seed, and everyone is saying, and I and I and I, and I get it, right? I I understand. It's not like everyone is wrong or they're not wrong <laughs> to feel this way or whatever. I understand. Notre Dame, they all the the conference winners are all playing a 13th game, okay? And Notre Dame is playing 12, and I and I get it, but. After Notre Dame plays that first round game, they have 13 wins. So why should they be 13 and 0 and still the five seed? All of the all of the games are equal at that point. Yeah. Would you advocate for a reseeding at that point? Yes. I mean, the they should reseed. If 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 that's what it is, if if the concern is the number of games, then then reseed it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So if the concern is the number of games then, Greg, then the committee has already stated that games against FCS opponents do not count in their measuring of um, a team's worth. That's another problem that I have with it, by the way. So if if a team, let's say, I don't know, um, Clemson plays uh, South Carolina State, that shouldn't count. They they, and then they play in their conference title game. That's twelve games because South Carolina right. State or whatever it is, the, right. the Citadel. That 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 doesn't count as a as a game in the committee's eyes. So they only have twelve data points, and then they have a scrimmage that they play in November. Right. Right. That's what I that I, that's what I would say. Like I I don't disagree with any of that. Sure. And it, even if it, even even not every data point is created equal either. I mean, why does Clemson get credit? For marching out in in curb stomping a seven five pit squad, why why is that a thing? Why whatever has been deadbeat that Oklahoma decides to dredge up out of the Big Twelve that year? Why do they get credit for that? Why do they get credit for playing Texas again? Well, and I and I think one of the things that college basketball that I barely follow gets right is those tier or those quad um, rankings where you beat certain teams from certain tiers. And so you don't get, you know, beating St. Francis is a win on your, on your, on, on the, the chalkboard. But, you know, when the committee is deciding who to keep and who to, who to keep out, they're not, they're saying, okay, well, great. They beat a, a quad four or whatever they call it, tier four yeah. team or whatever, you know, they're just, it's, it doesn't mean anything. So it's still encouraging um, 
some strong scheduling during the during the regular season. Obviously, they got a lot more games to play with, but um, you know, I read the chat between Nicole Arbach, Stu Mandel, and, and the the readers of the Athletic, and you know, Nicole was saying something to the effect of like, "Well, I hope this that the committee understands that they should reward um, you know teams for 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 playing for scheduling tough, but." That has not been the modus operandi for the for the committee since 2014. I, I do not feel that there has been instances where where teams were rewarded for close losses. Yeah, I mean, it's basically asking the committee to fix the the flaws in like the natural flaws in the system. Yeah, it's like, well, they need to do this. Like, okay. Like if, if if you're concerned about the behavior of teams, then you need to think about what you're actually putting together. Right. It's not up to the committee. Well, and I guess this is you know if I'm being cynical about this, what is the what is the and I know that some of these games are already scheduled for 2030 and beyond. I mean we've talked about this ad nauseum on our website, but what is the impetus for Notre Dame to to schedule anything tougher than a MAC team? I just, if it's all about getting to 12 wins uh, to get into the playoff and you know that you're, you can't skip the first round anyways, what is it, uh, what is Notre Dame's impetus to challenge themselves during the regular season? I, I guess I'm, I'm a little lost when it comes to that. I am too. Because what's the point for anybody to challenge themselves? Notre Dame could go out there, they play USC and Stanford because they're on the books every year from here until the end of time. And then maybe you could throw in your ACC opponents if that's still there. And then the rest of the schedule, you just load up on the dregs of the Mac. And you just get all of these home games and you bank the, you make the money from just scheduling and buying a bunch of home games against the Mac because everybody's going to make uh, upwards of three times as much money now in the new playoff, according to the, I think it's like $2 billion is how much the playoff is going to be worth. Um, so they're going to be making more money from making the playoff. So you can just, pay a bunch of chump schools and you know every every four years or whatever it is uh, every two years you got to play clemson or whatever it is so you have a hard schedule you know every two or three years and then otherwise you just get to beat clemson and beat up a bunch of bad schools and get to go to the playoff win a the, lot of games the thing that is just I'm getting so upset right now. See, it's not, it's not the, it's not the, it's not the actual proposal. It's the, it's the justifications for it that always mm -hmm. get me. Mm -hmm. And save the regular season, Greg. It, the same people who, like, they want the committee to punish teams for scheduling soft, right? Mm -hmm. These are the same people who wanted Cincinnati in the playoff last yeah. season never mind cincinnati you know coastal carolina right coastal byu and what did i hear it's not who you play it's how you play so what what happened suddenly see that's the thing you want your you want your cool programs you want your cincinnati's you want that but then you also want the big programs punished for scheduling not in a way that you feel challenges them. Come on. And by the way, this whole 
Notre Dame is playing 12 games and they're playing 13 games. And the penalty for that yeah. is you don't get a bye. The year after a six game team made the playoff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It didn't even play some of its hardest games. Come on. I would say, I would say I would be, I would be very intrigued to have seen what Christian Barrymore would have done to Coastal Carolina's five foot ten center. I would have loved to have seen what what Barrymore would have done to Coastal Carolina's 270-pound five foot ten center. It would have been Grayson McCall would have been he would have looked like the uh, the football team at the end of uh, Beetlejuice, right? The ones that went <laughs> off the their bus crashed. Yeah. So I, my my whole takeaway, and and just to kind of put it all together, is is I, if you look at it from a standpoint of it's either independence or a conference, right? And if you look at it like that. Because I feel like that's where the conversation is, is you look, if they look at it from, it, it, you know, to stay independent, this is what they had to agree to. And here are the pros and cons versus being an independent and being in a conference. And if, if that is the, the parameters, then I, you, can, you can sell me on it. What I reject is the premise that that was the only i don't understand why notre dame can't be an independent and also get a buy it doesn't make sense 12 they, the 12 games that they play are they will stand up to anyone's 13 because as brendan said saginaw state is not <laughs> on the schedule and and everyone knows it's different and everyone knows that and 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 i and I said it on the other pod too. I keep bringing it up. Maybe if, if you guys want to listen to it, maybe you can do that. But <laughs> but um, you. I, I, I keep I, I keep I keep bringing it up. Is you know Notre Dame already pays penalties for our independence. They already do that. They already they already get the shaft every time the ACC makes their schedule and every team gets a buy first. They are already flying all over the country when no other team is doing that. They are already taking all the night games that are given to them because everyone wants to play at night. That already happens. And 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 we don't complain or we we don't if, if people do complain they don't have a right to complain because that is our choice, that is our independence. That that we decided that. That's on us. Okay? These conferences who said you had? Who said you had to have a conference title game? Who said that? No one the said SEC that. The in the 1990s. They haven't been playing conference title games forever. There is right. no rule that said you had to do that. The reason that happened is because you kept adding teams, and you had you had well, too many teams money. to play. Yeah, exactly. Money. Money. And that's money. fine. That's yeah. fine. If if that's what you want to do, then do that. But understand that that is essentially. An exhibition game for your conference. It doesn't mean anything. You want to play 13? Go for it. If you want to play 11 and then the conference title game is 12, go for it. No problem. That's not on us. 
That's the cost of doing business for your conference. Don't hold it against us. So I've, yeah. got, I, I've got a couple more questions, but Brennan sounds like he wants to jump in. So Brennan. Yeah, I think, I think Craig touched on a, a key point for the whole aspect of the real thing that Notre Dame loses and misses out and the cost of independence is exactly that. It's, it's a cost. Because the, the biggest thing that Notre Dame costs itself by remaining independent and, and this is something that a lot of people don't understand when they say Notre Dame's got the big NBC contract. Notre Dame, Notre Dame hamstrings themselves financially to remain independent. They make less money on the NBC deal than they would if they were in just the Big Ten. The yep. Yeah, or just doing the ACC. But I mean, specifically the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten makes Georgia Tech North makes more off of its uh, off of its uh, TV contract than Notre Dame does. Purdue makes more off of its TV contract yeah. than Notre Dame does. And Rutgers and the, the the conference title game uh, sure. would net them money as well. Yep. So um, yeah, that's I I guess that's just a, a problem I have too. Is is um, I don't understand why the conference, it's just part of, I guess, college football where there has to be a boardroom for guys in bad suits, <laughs> flashy suits to make money, which is a college football thing. But a lot of, a lot of programs wish they could be independent. Miami wishes they could still be independent. Penn state probably still wishes they could be independent. Virginia tech, all these schools wishes they wish they could, but they're not because they couldn't hack it. And now I guess they're sour grapes. I don't know. So a couple of questions still outstanding from from me. Is there is there a perception? Do, do you feel I want to take 2018 as an example? Notre Dame goes undefeated during the regular season. Let's say that that stays the same. As a result, they are ineligible for the t the top four seeding. So they get the fifth seed. They host Penn State um, in South Bend. Uh, let's assume that they win that game and then they play Clemson. Let's assume that account, that outcome is the same and they get waxed in the Cotton Bowl, like say 30 to three. Do you feel any better about the 2018 season because they won a single playoff game before the inevitable uh, lopsided affair with Clemson? I'm probably poorer. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Because I watched, I watched them wax a bad Penn State team. I think it was a three-loss Penn State team, and I'm feeling a lot cockier going into that uh, Clemson game, and I'm probably so, putting money down on the game. To go to go to Texas and hang out in Jerry World. Okay. It it plays out the exact same way. They lose thirty to three. Yeah. Same. It's the same game. Let's just say it's the same game. Um. I guess I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel any kind of way. If anything, I would be I would be bitter because I have an excuse. Which is you should have gotten that first round by. That's your excuse is what you're saying. Yeah, but okay. also like the, there's the like I shouldn't have to play Clemson at this stage. I should. Right. It, it would feel you feel like we just lost 30 to three. Like right. we, we haven't looked this way all year. And now we just lost 30 to three and we had to play last week and they were sitting at home and we yeah. were 12 and oh, up. Good point. Yeah. Like why did, like, that's not like, I don't like how that turned out. That's it. That's an interesting. Thing. That's how I would feel. Yeah. Like I'm, I like, as I'm saying that it's like, that's stupid, but like, I would <laughs> think that. No, I, I, <laughs> I think as, a, as fans are emotional, sometimes not, it's not about, facts or whatever it's a, more about emotion so i i think that's totally legitimate 
Um, my second question is, Andy Staples had some reporting today on Twitter where he said he had been talking to some ADs who were secretly very, well, not so secretly because they were talking to him, very psyched about the idea of uh, hosting a home playoff game because they could sell a season ticket package where the access to the playoff would be determined by you having already purchased the season ticket, right? And so somehow this could become this very lucrative cash cow, whether it's people buy season tickets because they don't want to be shut out of the playoffs and and you got them that way, or the playoff game you can charge an arm and a leg for, or a combination of both or whatever. Um, is this, is this, um, is this sort of, a selling point for, for Jack Swarbrick and Notre Dame, do you think? Or is it, is it really not like that? I mean, I mean, do you feel like it's probably, yes, we could get a seventh, seventh game on the, at the home slate or whatever. Like I just, I have acted, I know it's a playoff game, but I, I honestly wonder who's going to sit in Notre Dame stadium in December, I get it. That's a playoff game, but like, am I am I wrong in thinking that that's going to be a hell of a game to sit through? Well, first of all, we know what's going to happen. For one, is uh, uh, the people who will be sitting are the people whose tickets were <laughs> sold to. That's who's going to yeah. be sitting. Yeah, that's um, true. So, like, you know, like let's say, like Penn State, right? They're not going to, they're not going to, like Notre Dame fans are not going to sell their tickets to Penn State fans to come to this game. No, they don't. Yeah, they totally would. Like, so, right, right, right. So that, that's how that's going to go. I mean, it's probably, it's, it it probably has some utility for him, right? It's not nothing. It's probably, it could, you could tell, you know, whoever is in the accounting office that it's a good idea. Some, some guys sitting on a computer Jack Swarbrick came in. It's like, guess what? You know, so <laughs> got me, got more yeah. inventory. Yeah, I mean, I'm more interested in them trying to make the quarterfinals a a home game. And I, and, I and then talk, how does Notre Dame try and sell that? And I right. Talk, and I want to talk. Sell about that, that to me. I want to talk about that in just a second. But one one more point to dovetail off this. Um, if if it's Notre Dame versus Coastal in in December, that has to be less enticing for a gold seeder than Notre Dame Penn State in December, right? Even though it's still a five twelve matchup in both in both situations. Yes. But in that instance, I don't think there's enough coastal fans to come. So so okay. they would so that seat would get sold to a Notre Dame fan. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um yeah, so there's also some talk about uh this uneasiness of um capitulating so hard to the bulls and why can't we make the quarterfinals final games also in the stadiums and to be honest with you i'm kind of like that that's the thing that i think would send me over the edge i've been pretty calm about this but the idea that we we can't get a buy and then the so-called advantage of being able to host your first round game is now just washed because everyone gets to host a first round game if you're if you're high enough seed right or first or second round game like that's bullshit right a team a team that would be that is ranked below us would get the home game while we they would not only get the higher seed so all the higher seeding stuff that we already talked about like that's already given 
And so now they already get the higher seed and they're hosting us. Correct. So 12 and 0 or, or now 13 and 0 uh, Notre Dame off the heels of beating 12th seeded Oklahoma has to travel to Tallahassee to play ACC champion Florida State with, I don't know, I don't know if they had one or two losses that season, but it, suffice to say they weren't undefeated. I mean, that's that's weird. That's that nonsense. Well, I I would like to say that um, it makes sense why they would do it because maybe um, the higher seed team want in on the action, uh, but it, it will never happen. They will never. They will but never. Guess what? You've got to buy, and that means something for your the, the <laughs> your ability of your team to eventually win a national championship. Well, obviously, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything because we've been sold for the last you know four days that having a buy that having to play an extra game is actually good. But no, they 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 won't go to this model of having they will not eliminate the bulls because there's too much old money involved in yeah. these bulls. And Plus there's, I, there's, those guys are those guys spend so much I, I oh. guess you just said it. Those guys spend so much money to to wine and dine these guys, they'll never give in. And can you imagine in. can you imagine all the old heads being told that the Rose Bulls no more? I mean already with this 12 team <laughs> playoff one thing nobody has talked about that I've seen is the Rose Bowl is dead. It is completely dead as an institution. It will no longer be in any circumstance ever the top ranked Big Ten, Big Ten team and the top, top ranked, ranked Pac-12. Yeah. It will never happen again. It can't happen again because at least one of those schools, uh, most years, not last year, because uh, the Pac-12 would have been shut <laughs> out of the 12 <laughs> last year, but most years, both the because they take the top six conference winners. Right. So the parade of roses, um, all of that, the the sun setting, right? The the stupid kickoff time so they can get the the sun setting over the mountains there, um, having to position your college football playoff for six years in a row around what the Rose Bowl wanted, all of that's gone. The Rose Bowl is, it is a, I don't know, it's essentially like a spleen now, right? It's it's an unnecessary organ. A spleen, good one. Wow. The Rose Bowl is the spleen of bulls. It is the spleen, of, well, it's not even a bulls because what is the point of the Rose Bowl now? Right? They get, to, they, I guess they get to host a quarterfinal game, but they held the Rose Bowl in Jerry's World last year. It's been a bad year for the Rose Bowl. Yeah. All right, guys. We talked a lot about the playoff. Was there anything that I didn't bring up that you thought was relevant to the discussion as it continues here? when they, the committee meets and turns this recommendation into something final? No, I think we got it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we got it. Okay. Um, this is going to be way more you guys than me because I, I, I think I've acknowledged the fact that I, I don't follow recruiting as, as closely as maybe you guys do. Um, there, was a, <laughs> there was a bunch of recruiting. Um, that happened recently. I saw some a lot of people being very jazzed about a, a composite five star who uh, says he loves Brian Kelly, which I I about fell out of my seat. Um, that that that's actually a thing that five stars would even say. 
Um, but I just want to I want to get a sense from you. Where should I be focusing my attention in terms of, um, you know, who is the maybe who is the next player who might commit or who is the player in this class that they that they have a good chance with who would actually be a difference maker in this class? Start me anywhere you like, but tell me about the 2022 um, people that are still out there who are not committed, who would be uh, difference makers in this class. And Greg, we'll start with you. Okay, so um, Junior Tuliolamaka, who was previously committed to USC. Glad you um, did that. Oh, of course, no doubt. Well, no, I'm glad, I'm glad you out. took the dive on that name. Oh, Tuliolamaka? <laughs> it's not that hard to say, actually. Um, so he he was on campus. He's a top, I guess, 150 now, top 100-ish linebacker. Um, Everyone's pretty fired up about him. He He's going to announce on Saturday, I guess. And, I mean, everyone feels pretty good that Notre Dame is the pick. So it's Notre Dame or Texas. Um, Jalen Sneed is a top 100 linebacker who is on campus as we speak. Um, I think people feel good about him. Um, there's a how lot of, he, how does he leave the state? How does he leave the state of South Carolina is my question. Cause I don't think either South Carolina or Clemson is really in the mix. I don't think South. I don't think Clemson's offered him. It's super weird. I mean, he's like, weird. he's like a, he's um, one of the top, he's like the second ranked, the first or second ranked player in the whole state. Right. And it, Clemson doesn't, that's it. I I have always found this to be interesting. Let me let me just check. He's he's ranked very high. I mean, yeah, he's is, top he's is... top 100 composite for sure. Right. And he's, he he's, is if he's not the, the best, 70th. He's the yeah. 70th ranked player, number two in the state. Yeah. So I mean, how does he get out of the state of South Carolina? <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's I don't know. That's interesting. But everyone's feeling really good about him. Um, he's like an outside linebacker type. Tui Halamaka is an inside linebacker guy. Um, so they're they're kind of like if if any if anyone commits, I would say either those two or um, Billy Shrouth, the offensive lineman. Everyone's been pretty confident that he's going to end up at Notre Dame. Um, from Wisconsin. Oh, from Wisconsin, yeah. I guess they haven't landed someone from Wisconsin in like 21 years or something. It's weird. I I, I never would have thought that. I just assumed, but obviously, I mean, it's been checked, so that's true. Um, Tobias Merriweather, he's a top. Let me just check. I'll get his exact thing right now. Wide 125. Receiver. Yeah, wide receiver, 125 nationally. He he had a a, a good visit, I suppose. Um, according to everybody, um, there are a bunch of a bunch of crystal balls came in for him to attend Notre Dame. Uh, apparently, the top wide receiver on Notre Dame's board. So, um, you know, Dell coming through, right? Dell making it happen. He's got um, the uh, the hottest uh, wide receiver uh, in Al- in Tuscaloosa's uh, sights already committed, locked up. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, Marion Walker is blowing up. I guess he ran a four-four. 
he ran a 4-4 at Alabama, and so Alabama offered, and then Michigan offered, and now he's going to the Under Armour game, like mid-three-star. No one liked him. Greg, remind, yeah, exactly. Remind our listeners when um, Amorian Walker was was offered, assumedly by Dell Alexander, but certainly by Notre Dame, what the general consensus on the message boards or the chatter was about um, offering this guy. Well, not offered, taken. So it's it's one thing to have offered someone, then they took his commitment. Mm. And this was some months ago. I mean, this might have actually even been March. Let me just check his commit date. It was it was a while ago. And even for me, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that that was yeah March 10th. <laughs> so even for me, I was like, oh, I didn't I didn't know that's where Notre Dame was with him. Like, OK, all right, that's something. And. And everyone's like, you know. He's he's not very fast. He's skinny. He's not. We're not going to beat Alabama with him. And he's <laughs> not this and that and the other thing. What's up with that? wrong? And it, it was just one of those deals where it's like you know you see a sophomore tape and I guess he got hurt as a junior or whatever you know last year with the COVID thing. And he he was just kind of flying under the radar and. Notre Dame obviously liked him, right? They got in him early. And then he's put out a couple of videos, just kind of like him working out. And it just, it's these little things that just kind of like raise my eyebrow, like, oh, that's interesting. Like he actually looks pretty explosive there. And then Kevin Sinclair with uh, 247, he put out a video of him at practice. And I think I even messaged you guys. It's like, hey, I, he looks good here. Like there's some things that he's doing that, that, I think there's a little bit. I think this is a good eval by uh, Notre Dame. I think they got some. And then he's offered by Ole Miss. And then apparently, and then yesterday he's offered by Alabama. And today he's offered by Michigan. And I think it's pretty clear. Like he's just going to keep getting offers now. Oh yeah. The big question is, and it's with all of the kids from Louisiana. Um, he he only li- he lives in a tiny town just uh, less than 50 miles from. Uh, baton rouge so they were able to hold logan diggs the allure of uh lsu um it is very difficult to get kids out of louisiana when lsu sets their sights so that is true um but here's the thing and and that's why it's it's like now it's very notable that notre dame moved on him so early because Yep. It's the Kyle Hamilton oh, effect. Yeah. If 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 people had waited, if if they had waited like everyone wanted them to do and not taken his commitment, if they tried to move on him now after Bama moved in and after Michigan, and there's gonna be other schools now that move in too, if they had tried to move in at that at this point, you're just another he'd probably he'd probably pump the brakes. He'd probably be like, Well, wait a minute, you know, you you guys you had a chance before and you passed, not passed, but you, you slow played me. So now I have other options. I'm going to look. But Notre Dame in March said, no, we want you. We want you in this class. We are in on, look, Notre Dame is in on CJ Williams from modern day, who's a top 100. They're after Tobias Merriweather, who's 125. They are after um, a bunch of, look, Everyone they are after is rated higher than Amarian Walker is. Okay. 
Now some he's, he's in the eight hundreds, so. right? Just to put he's, like he's in the eight hundreds. Yeah, yeah. So for them to at that point say no 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 we're on all these guys and we know Dell doesn't like taking a lot of wide receivers but he said we're in on those guys but we want your commitment now and they took him and they got heat for it and now he's blowing up so look I I don't I don't know how the kid's going to turn out right we don't know anything about any of this stuff but now we have some more information that maybe he's a little bit better than than people thought initially. Is is this is there a lesson to be learned here? If you were to give advice to people that follow recruiting rapidly about um, maybe first impressions or pumping the brakes or something, or or is this is this just always going to happen that people look at the stars and they just say, uh, you know, or the he's 178 pounds he'll never make it like should we just should we learn anything is is there a lesson to be learned here or am i just deluding myself yeah don't kill the players <laughs> like don't kill the players that want to come to your school is my is the lesson and and like look everyone and i put it on twitter like everyone can have you can have your opinion that's fine right i don't i don't every player that commits i'm not like this is the greatest player i've ever seen i don't say that right like a well, walker did. Well, but that, but but it's because it was true. And you were right, but right, I was did. not wrong. I mean, if he is the greatest player I've ever seen, I'm going to say so, and I will be right. And that's <laughs> fine. Just just putting <laughs> it out there that it's not a don't, because when the greatest one right. does, right, got to make sure that. But you, you so, but like when Amarion Walker, um, um, when he committed, I, I wasn't over the moon about it, because I was like, ah, okay, let's see. Right. I'm not, but I'm not, I'm also not going to be like, Dell doesn't know what he's doing. He's a bad coach. He, he doesn't know in Amari and like, dude, the kid, the kid committed to our school. Like, why would you, I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill him. I'm certainly not going to do it every day. Like some, some people, people some people yeah. would, I'm not going to do it all the time. I'm not going to do it on a weekly basis. I, I mean, we do have three hour pods, but probably not just about one, one commit. So, right. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's what I would say is, you know, we don't know. At the end of the day, we all have it. Like I said, we all have our opinions, but we don't know. We don't know how things are going to turn out. Right. Sometimes we get a high, very highly rated player that doesn't work out. Sometimes we get a very lowly rated player that does work out. You're just not sure. And and one thing I know, especially from the Internet and just being on Twitter is <laughs> kids, kids see this stuff. Right. And, and 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 it's easy it's easy for people to say like it's easy for people to say you know well they should be able to take it they're playing big time college football it's like, okay fine but at the same time like they are people yeah and you kids. know like well, I mean right. especially before they come to school I mean most of these kids at this point are 17 years old right so just just you know you, you, look you you root for a college team. Like that, just have some perspective about it. Like you have, yeah. you root for college players. Like they you don't know them and they don't care about you, but like, don't rip on them. Like there's no need to do that. Oh, my eval. Okay. What your eval, what are you doing? What are you talking about? You're looking at huddle highlights. The same as me, you know, like you have your impression. No problem. Don't kill kids on, on online. There's no need for it. I think that's well said. <laughs> Greg, do you agree that I, 
as it's starting to to get to it, I'm really are are you super as intrigued with the running back recruiting process as I am right now? Whether or not yes. it's Gavin Sawchuk or if it's uh, Dallin Hayden, um, I mean maybe even Nicholas Singleton. It's there's there's a lot of like ex, there's a lot of ways that it could go. And unlike last year, where they put all of their eggs in one basket and kind of managed to somehow totally redeem themselves with Audric Estime, um, I think that they have a lot of options, and it's really intriguing. First of all, I love Jadarian Price. So if they just ended up with him, I I would be fine with it. I mean, there would be like there would be disappointment because of what's possible with the three guys that apparently they could land. Um, they're only going to land one of them, but any of right. the three would be great. Um, but if, if they, if it just happens that they miss on all of them, like I think Jadarian Price is a really good player. So there's that part of it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to cry big tears because then, because then you can just, they're in on so many good players right now that if you miss at the, one of the running backs, then that just means there's another spot available for a good player in another position. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's super interesting. Like Dylan Hayden, I thought, how is he going to get away from Ohio state? Like, I just don't see that happening. And there's a ton of buzz now that Notre Dame made a big move with him over the weekend and they could land him. Yeah. And, and Nicholas Singleton is another one who's a top 100 player, um, who's coming in, I think this weekend and they have a shot with him. I would say less so than the others. And then Gavin Sawchuk from Colorado, who everyone thought was going to Oklahoma, and now apparently Notre Dame's made a big move with him. So I don't know. Greg, Greg, when you hear about these big moves, is it it possible that Brian Kelly is now involved in some of this more than he was? Or is this this a Marcus Freeman effect? What can we attribute it to? Do we know? I think it's a combination. I think it's, I don't think it's ever one thing. Yeah. Right? Um, I don't think Marcus Freeman in, in a sense that like, maybe he's just kind of, which is kind of invigorated the program. He's not recruiting yeah. the running backs, but I just think him being him choosing Notre Dame, that's a win for Brian Kelly. That's a win for the university, for the program. I think that just kind of lights a fire under everybody. It's like, wow, like that of all the players that they're landing, like he is landing him was huge. I mean, I was we all remember how we felt when when it came across, like we all thought he was going to LSU and that's the way it goes. And then all of a sudden it pops up on Twitter like he's coming another day. It's like, whoa, I didn't. Well, I did not expect that. So I think that invigorates the program. I think Brian Kelly is more involved. Um, Don't underestimate Chad. Bowden either he's the he's he was the package that came with Marcus Freeman um he was the Bearcats recruiting director um and was has been in implemented at Notre Dame in sort of a similar capacity I think he's like the defensive yeah recruiting director now something Mm -hmm. like that and I think there's one on offense that's like unannounced but I I think they have his counterpart that are driving a lot of, um, I mean, they're the ones that are ghost texting, right? <laughs> is, 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 and he's putting yeah. together all of the packages and yeah. Yeah. I don't know who's responsible for the billboards, 
but that was a master stroke. Um, they, yeah, they, they're doing a lot right right now in recruiting and creatively right, not just like picking up the phone and doing it old fashioned. I think that they're doing maybe some ahead of the curve stuff, which is nice. And, and that's like, to me, I think I've always in the past, in the past, like two, three years, I've always had this mindset of like Notre Dame's always reacting and they're not like you said they're not being proactive and i think the billboards are a good example of that where i think every program just kind of said whoa like we should have thought of that like that sounds like something alabama does right and it's like oh alabama man that's that's why you know and i think notre dame is just as as out front on that so it's a, it's a great point about Chad Bowden. I think he does have a counterpart that's unannounced right now. Um, I think the the move from from Polian to Mike Elston from recruiting coordinator, I think that has a big part of it. And I think the fact that Notre Dame is good. Like they've been good. And and you and, think uh, that you think that post LeBron post LeBron bump is real? That LeBron bump tweet you think that's a, that's a real thing <laughs> do i think the tweet itself is but i think there's i think there's a there's just notre dame is viewed in a different way than they have been and i and i think the the, the old adage of you know notre dame is is living in the past kind of thing it's like oh these players like they don't they don't uh they don't remember 1993 and they don't remember 1992. They don't care. They only care what's going on now. Well, these players, they don't care what happened in 2002 and they don't care what happened in 2007. They Thank care about, <laughs> they, they care about, I know that Notre Dame was in national title in 2012. I know they got beat, but they were there. And I know they're kind of always around the conversation. And I know that they've been in the playoffs to the last, three years there was a recruit who said it he said Notre Dame you get a great education and I'm in the playoffs every year that's what he said and that's not untrue so it's like that is that like people you know rip on Kelly for a lot of the stuff that he's done but the most important thing he's done is turn them into like a good program and that's why he has Marcus Freeman and then that's why, like, all these other things are happening, too. So, so yeah, it's it's a combination of, you know, six or seven things. Jude, what kind of recruiting news moves your needle? So somebody who doesn't, like, follow recruiting a ton, is there anything in recruiting or what – is there anything I, that gets – I mean, I, I, think I, I think I would take interest in any five-star that – that signed with Notre Dame just because it's it's so it's so rare. Um, I probably would actually take a lot of interest in a two star that also signed with Notre Dame just because that's also very, pretty rare. Um, but to be honest with you, Hedgy action. You know, I I did I did it for a couple of years and um, I, I burned myself out on it. Just like the NFL draft, the mock draft coverage. I, I just I consume so much of it that it all started blending together. And I, I hear you guys talking about the names, but they really don't uh, mean that much to me. And I and I've I've made peace with the fact that I won't know how good or bad these guys are um, before they put on a Notre Dame uniform, and I get confused about who they are in their first blue goal game. So, um, you know, I'm okay with it. I, I just 
I, I the stuff that interests me more is the stuff that from the past before I was born. Um, you know, learning more about the 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 crazy stories of the SMU pony uh, coming to to Notre Dame Stadium and that they put him up in a hotel and he got his own uh, suite and you know and he got treated like royalty. Like to me, that's far more interesting than some guy who may or may not come to Notre Dame. So. Uh, maybe maybe I'm in the minority about that, but I'm 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 perfectly I'm perfectly fine with it. So I could I could put it to you like this. So instead of going over like what each player can do or what each player is, I think if Notre Dame lands uh, Sneed and Tui Halamaka to go along with Burnham and Ziegler at linebacker, that's kind of an earthquake in terms of Notre Dame recruiting. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, I take the lazy way out on this. I mean, we, we, we rip on Greg when we say read the story, Greg. But I, I, I do rely on friends who lazy take an interest in this to tell me when something big happens. Um, right. So, um, you know, you tell me it's an earthquake. I, I just, I take that at face value and say, okay, you know. No, but I'm saying it, it would be an earthquake I'm, I'm like, you'll notice it. Like when big oh, things happen, when, when big things happen on, on, um, on uh, Twitter, it's a weird thing. It, 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 there's a feeling behind it. You, it, you can tell it's visceral. Like the Marcus Freeman announcement. That's a vis, you have a visceral, you know, that's a, whoa, that's a big deal. That, that's a big thing that happened. And everyone's going to be talking about it for like two hours. And and so I kind of feel like that's how it is Kyle with those offense. two guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so I think that – I think Tobias Merriweather, if they end up with Merriweather, C.J. Williams, it's kind of – it's kind of earthquakey. If they land one of Hayden, Sawchuck, or Singleton – to go along with price like that's an earthquake just in that man those those are backs that everybody wants everybody wants those guys so it's it's like you already have if they land xavier nwankpa at safety it's an earthquake and notre dame doesn't have that very often where you just say whoa like that is like nationally, people are going to make a big deal out of this. So I think that's where it is. Like there's multiple, there is a way, like a realistic way that Notre Dame recruiting goes in the next like two months that it, it's going to feel like Notre Dame is really trending in a big way just as a program. So it's kind of, a, it's a pretty exciting time actually. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's super good. All right. Yeah. Anything more about recruiting uh, that you're keeping your eye on either in the in the um, upcoming maybe week or so or in, in sort of in the, the remainder of the cycle? I'd like to point out, uh, I, I mentioned it to you guys, I've just been kind of taking a look on it because um, there's been recruiting. The dead period was lifted, obviously, right uh, at the beginning of the month. There's only been now two four-star higher players that have signed. Um, I don't understand how, I don't understand how USC is able to maintain recruiting. Um, 
was a lame duck head coach, but somehow they landed the number 26 player in the country in Mikel Williams. I don't understand. I don't understand. But him, and then there's a linebacker in, that committed to North Carolina State. So I think the early returns are with these, um, with the dead period opening up and kids getting to go places. I think recruiting is going to be a little bit weird, kind of like last year was a little bit weird, but in a different way this time. Instead of Zoom meetings, kids are, they've only done Zoom meetings, right? These kids have never been wined and dined by college football programs because they lost their junior recruiting season. So I think, I don't know, it's just a hunch that I have, and there hasn't been a ton of activity, even with kids showing up on campuses. Uh, I, I think that this season's going to be maybe a little bit slower burn for some guys. Um, and we might get one of those. Do you remember those old mega recruiting weekends? Uh, the, the one that always sticks out to me is uh, 2011. Was it 2011 USC? Where they brought yeah. Yeah. everyone. They brought the entire, <laughs> you know, top 100. To watch Dean uh, Chris fumble the ball. To watch Dean Chris fumble the ball between <laughs> his legs. Do oh Sorry my gosh when he's like numbers. crawling after it is just so sad. But yeah, that's we might get one of those weekends. So sort of tangentially um, related to this, Bud Elliott, uh, now twenty four seven Sports, uh, came out with his annual uh, blue chip ratio. I think he started this in two thousand and thirteen, and you know to be honest with you, the blue chip ratio thing is never. It seems sort of like. Uh, self-apparent, which is if you recruit more four- and five-star recruits than two- and three-star recruits over four recruiting classes, then you're considered a team that's going to win a national championship. And and, and to be to be fair, this includes a, a group of between 12 and 16 teams. And so this is sort of like saying to Vegas, like, I don't know who's going to win the national championship, but I feel fairly confident it's going to be one of these 16 teams and not say the field. Um, are you impressed that Notre Dame is on this list or is it just collective shrug? Uh, they're pretty far down on it. So they are pretty far shrug. down on it. That's correct. I mean, here's the thing with it is you could throw this entire list in the trash can. And you could just say, Alabama's probably going to win the national title. <laughs> and for, you know, the last decade plus, you'd be hitting it like a, you'd be 40% of the time right. 60% of the time, you're right every time. I get it. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Do you think Notre Dame's closer? So the teams above them immediately are Penn State, Oregon, Auburn, Michigan, Texas A&M. Florida, Texas. Do you do you feel like Notre Dame is is in league with those teams, or maybe a, no? I mean, I feel like the Notre Dame is in, in a league just below, um, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson, and probably in with Georgia and say Oklahoma. You know? Yeah, that's how so, I feel too. I, I, I just Florida in there too. And, and I don't know if this speaks well to the fact that the, if the number is so low and yet Notre Dame's performing at such a high rate these last four years, if that speaks to the to um, it's an actual credit to them being able to develop, say, three stars into uh, four and five stars. Um, and I also think that the more data that we get from a kid from college, the less we should be relying on 
what he was, what some recruiting service considered him to be when he came out of high school. You know what I mean? I almost feel like there should be a re-rank. I'm not sure how you would do it, but just sort of like a, hey, we we missed on this guy who was in the 800s. Uh, like a Jeremiah Wusu Kormo being a, yeah, a three star. Because that's the thing is like you know he'll for all those classes in the blue chip ratio he'll be considered a, a three star, right? And yet, and he never, um, he never conversely, a, a five star bust, right? You just look at USC's roster, and they're at fifty three percent blue chip below Notre Dame fifty five. But like, what percentage of USC roster is like five star busts? And then the other problem is is um i'm not sure if his list takes it because i did i did a similar exercise last year except i put in an extraneous amount of time removing players yeah removing transfers and medical hardships and all that stuff and transfers in and um i'm not sure are they counting jt daniels on this usc 53 percent? i don't know yeah so I view the list kind of a few different ways. So basically, like you have you have a ranking, right? What was Notre Dame at? Fifty five percent. Fifty five percent. Right. So and I think so. They were what eighteenth, seventeenth, something like that, or no, fourteenth or second from like second or third from the bottom. Right. right. Yeah, they were fourteenth. Yeah. And 14th. yep. And I think the third place team was at sixty seven percent. Fourth place, yep. Okay, so we're talking about the difference between the 14th team and the fourth place team is, you know, 12 percentage points, which is about eight players. Yeah. So, and as you get closer to Notre Dame, it's like that margin just gets kind of smaller and smaller. You're talking about like two or three player difference. To me, it's that's on the margins, right? So, you know, then the difference is made up in just program, infrastructure, coaching, all that stuff. And Notre Dame, I think, can make up that gap just in, you know, their program, their coaches, and all that sort of thing. Bama's at 84%, which is 72 players of the 85. That's a big difference, okay? We're talking about 46 of the 85 versus 72. What is that? 26-player difference? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's astronomical. That is, that is so – you cannot make that up through coaching. And so, you know, and, and I it's believe Alabama. Uh, that's Alabama. And then Georgia's up there too, which yeah. – Explain yourself, Kirby Smart, man. Jesus. The difference between the um, difference between Clemson and Ohio State, Ohio State's the three, and yeah. Clemson's the four, is the difference between Clemson and Notre Dame. So the difference between three four is the difference between fourteen and four. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the. I feel like I feel like Notre Dame is the, and that's why Notre Dame can beat Clemson. Yeah. On any given day, on some given day, not any given day, but on a given day where things go right for us and things don't go great for them. Their one five-star quarterback went out and we had to play their other five-star quarterback. Right. Right. So it's like, (laughs) it's, it's, 
it's just the difference there. Like to me, that's always the thing. He did this last year too. And it's like, look, Notre Dame is basically in league with every other team besides the top three. The top three are so far away. And, you know, but look, Notre Dame needs to get, they do need to get to that 67%. And I think they could. The 80%, the 85% stuff, I don't know about that. I would say Notre Dame played the number two, Georgia, twice. Pretty damn close. Well, that's what I mean. Like, Kirby Smart, explain yourself. Uh, yeah, Kirby Smart is, well, Jesus. you can't. Jesus. <laughs> that fake punt, too. <laughs> Sounds like uh, um, Totally switching topics on you guys here. Um, you know, I was a big baseball kid when I was growing up. I still consider myself a Mets fan, although if I'm being honest with myself, I probably haven't watched a full game since the 2015 World Series. Um, and, you know, I've got a lot going on with uh, with elections and early voting. So I did not watch any uh, one second of Notre Dame baseball who was uh, eliminated from the uh, College World Series over the weekend by Mississippi State. I get that this excites people and 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 I'm. I, I was happy for the team getting as far as they did. I thought it was great for the university. Um, but I just – I don't have time in my life for baseball, and I was just wondering if uh, you guys were sucked into this or if this was already your jam or if you just kind of were just following it on the periphery like I was. Go ahead, Brendan. Yeah, I, so I haven't been able to watch a lot of Tigers baseball this year because um, – the Fox Sports Detroit got bought by Bally's Total Fitness or something. Now it's like Bally's Sports. <laughs> and they're not YouTube TV it doesn't may be a get casino, Bally's. It may be a fitness place. Who can say? Who could probably both. So yeah. YouTube didn't didn't have it. So um I kind of needed a baseball fix. Uh so towards the end of the baseball, I, I'm not gonna say that I was in on it early. Um, but towards the end of the season, um I was watching just about every uh, Notre Dame baseball game. Um, and then right up into, obviously, the, the series against Mississippi State. And I know they got kind of waxed in the last one, but, man, it, when I think back on it, it was – they should have won the series. They should have won – they were up 7-3 at one point in the first game, and then they absolutely dominated the second game. Um so, yeah, but all in all, I had a tremendous time watching college baseball this season, which do you, I haven't do you feel had like, a... Do you feel like this is going to carry over into next season, or do you think you'll probably find yourself in the same position next year, which is you'll start to take an interest as, say, the ACC tournament heats up? Uh, well, they didn't do a lot in the ACC tournament. Probably cost them <laughs> a, a shot in Omaha, uh, not getting to host a Super Regional, but... Um, I'm probably going to do the same thing. The thing about college baseball and being a Northern college baseball team is it's also fickle and they had Nico this year. Um, and you kind of found lightning in a bottle. Um, Zeus is lightning in a bottle if you were. And I don't know if you can replicate it. It's very difficult for Northern baseball teams to kind of, they have a hell of a coach in, you know, link Jarrett, but. I mean, Michigan went to the College Baseball World Series, what, two years ago? And then 
they're pretty much off the map now. So it's tough for Northern teams. And it's the other part, hard part is it's tough to find them on TV. And I'm not going to pay extra money to watch college baseball. <laughs> um, so it's, it's tough to find them on TV. And I had this problem with Notre Dame hockey. I like to watch Notre Dame hockey. But, like, I'm not going to pay money on top of, you know, what I'm already paying to, to catch games. So if ESPN makes more availability um, or the ACC network puts maybe Notre Dame, you know, making some moves this season, they end up on more games, maybe I'll get on there. But, uh, yeah, it'll probably follow the same. Did you, Greg, did you did you get on the, on the old baseball train? Um, I did not. I live in a city with a similar problem as um, as Brendan. The uh, the the uh, what is it? The Fox Sports Net, not not Fox Sports anymore. Um, Spectrum. About Spe- oh, Spe- Spectrum. Yeah, they don't they don't. I, actually, I think the Dodger games are a lot easier now. But with YouTube TV, it's it. I don't really get those games, and it doesn't matter anyway. But the point is, is that. I'm not a big baseball guy, and the team that I follow, when I do follow, won a World Series last year. Okay, so <laughs> so so that so, but the point is, is like I'm not into my World Series winning team that much. So as a sub alum, I <laughs> I I try not to fake being a fan of the sports, like all Notre Dame sports just because I feel like that's not cool. I do enjoy everyone, you know, who, who goes to the school, who's just like has a natural affinity for everything Notre Dame sports. I did, I did enjoy kind of following it that way. Um, I like, I know, like I was happy for Tim Priester because I know he's a baseball guy and no one wants to talk to him about it, but I know that he got a big kick out of Notre Dame being so good. And I like that. Um, but yeah, I just I like it when Notre Dame is making people that I like online happy, I guess. So that's good. Right. That's good. It's like, yeah, like the women's team. Right. Like I don't I, I, and even the men's team. Like I don't I don't follow men's basketball that much or the women's team. And I don't want to pretend that I'm like this huge fan or anything, but I like to jump on and just kind of watch everyone take in the experience um like the women's run was super fun i remember the i don't know how much of a i don't know that i was like a huge presence on twitter when the men were having their you know sweet 16 runs and their elite eight runs and things like that but um i remember the women's and that was super fun to just kind of observe so I didn't, I didn't want to be like, you know, I'm, I'm watching this game and oh, well, they, that was a strike, you monster, you know. I didn't want, <laughs> I didn't want to do that. I fired off a couple of like jokey tweets, but like just, you know, it's, it's, I, it's unfortunate the way it worked out. And you're watching and it's like, I don't know, four errors. That's probably not the way you want to, you want to go about things if you want to win, you know, go to the College World Series. But it is what it is. Fair enough. Uh, gentlemen, the Girl Scouts have 15 million unsold boxes of Girl Scout cookies because of because of the coronavirus. They weren't able to get their little uh, minions out to sell. Um, I, I gotta say, if you were to power rank the the uh, the Girl Scout cookies 
I don't know that I can get to five, but maybe give your, me your, your top three Girl Scout cookies. Oh, um, all right. So let's just start with, um, so I'm a peanut butter guy. Okay. So I'm going to need the dosi dos. Okay. I'm going to need the tagalongs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm into coconut, so I need the Samoas. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, I mean, are we going for five to one here or are you just, you just naming cookies you like? What do you mean? I mean, Oh, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me. So I would say the number, the, the, uh, of those three that I just named, I would say tagalongs are, um, are last. Okay. What's a tagalong? The tagalong is, is the, the chocolate covered, and it's got the peanut like creamy the peanut, peanut butter, butter like yeah, yeah, peanut butter, creamy peanut butter on top of like a cookie covered in chocolate. Yeah. The dosi doughs are just basically a, a peanut butter cookie. Yeah. Very heavy um, peanut butter. Yeah, which I like. Like I said, yeah. I'm a peanut butter guy. And then the and then the tagalongs. Oh no, I'm sorry, the Samoas. Samoas. And then you know the 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 thin mints are fine. You they know be, they they gotta be. Just coming out of the freezer though. That's they gotta be money. frozen. Yeah, that's true. They gotta be frozen, but then that's maintenance, right? <laughs> and the, and the thing with and then the thing with the 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 thin mints too is they're very hard to get out of the kids' teeth. So I really oh, don't yeah. like it because at this point, the brushing situation is just we got it. We're like checking, and it's like open your mouth, and we're looking. It's like yeah. yeah, we got to keep going. And it, like honestly, something like that really sours me on just a uh, a dessert in general. And people don't think about that, but if you if you're gonna make a dessert, it's gotta be, it's gotta get out of the teeth. It's gotta clean up. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. I don't want so it. So you're similarly down on Oreos, I would guess, because Oreos seem like they live in my teeth forever. We well, we don't give the kids Oreos is the okay. thing. Um, and for the same reason, I will eat Oreos because I I can brush my own teeth just fine. <laughs> but congratulations. Um, yeah, I, I can get <laughs> it, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> well, and my wife doesn't care about my teeth. She is she she is not. But if like there's one speck of cookie in the children's teeth, and you know, it's like a five alarm fire, so. What uh, what Girl Scout cookie on the other side of the, the ledger, like if it, a box was put in front of you, you would just say that box can go rot in hell because I'm never eating this. All of them. <laughs> wow. Wow. Whoa. I don't uh, I don't I don't do uh, cookies or the only sweet food that I enjoy is a good lemon poppy seed muffin. It's about the extent of it. Maybe my kombucha. Uh, I get assorted. Oh, uh, Here we go with the kombucha. Assorted buchas. Uh, but yeah, I don't uh, I don't. I'm, I'm a spicy, salty guy. Um, so until they come up with that uh, pretzel flavored, um, uh, pretzel flavored Girl Scout cookie, the Bavarian pretzel flavored uh, Girl Scout cookie. <laughs> you I'm, are uh, the worst. You are the worst. I don't. I don't. That you're a maniac. What? I, like, I don't do really... cookies. What does that even I mean? I don't do cookies. It means like I go I go on Amazon and I buy the saltiest pretzels that you can buy because I have a, a craving for salt. Well, some people got a sweet tooth. I have that like salt tooth. Do you like Do you like cookie dough? You ever had cookie dough? Yeah, I've had cookie. I mean, I've had it all, man. I've tried it all. Have you ever had cookie um, dough? If Freddie got this far in his life and had never had cookie dough, I'd 
Well, maybe I feel for him. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, my list is, you know, since Brendan clearly doesn't want to play, my list is very similar to yours, Greg. I did like the introduction of the s'mores cookies that came out a couple years ago. Um, but, you know, some Samoa or Caramel Delights, if you prefer, uh, Tagalongs and Thin Mints are, are my top three with, with Samoa being absolutely house a box sitting down, uh, not even thinking twice about. Uh, with a nice big tall glass of oh, burn dairy, uh, burn dairy milk. Burn dairy milk, yeah, absolutely. In the glass bottle, hell yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Up in yeah, there. you can get that milk real cold. Oh, the best. Word. All right. Well, thanks, Brendan, for totally raining on that parade. Hey, hey, I gave you the burn dairy. Uh, I gave a, <laughs> a shout out to the local. I love you. <laughs> I love dairy you for up that. there. So. Oh man. Uh, okay, so I, I think I've exhausted all the topics that I thought to talk about. What what else um, what else is worth uh, mentioning? What did, Greg? What did you come on this podcast to talk about besides the fact that you can find Greg on Twitter at Greg twenty one twenty six? You can find the Untitled Notre Dame USC podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, and of course, you can read all of Greg's writings at UHND, including. A recent interview he had with Jeff Burris about the idea of Kyle Hamilton playing both ways. Jeff Burris oh. is in favor, friends. So, <laughs> I mean, if Jeff Burris is okay, I, I, I don't know why we're not listening to Jeff Burris. I don't know. He did it. So, I mean, <laughs> do you, I don't know. Do you guys think that Kyle Hamilton's being undersold? Because I'm, I'm going through this off season, and. I'm reading I'm I'm reading and devouring all of the things that I can pertaining to Notre Dame football and college football as a whole. And while nice things are said about Kyle Hamilton, a lot of the times it's just his name being mentioned and then moving on from there. Like Kyle Hamilton at this point is just like Notre Dame has a exceptional um, potential top 10 pick Kyle Hamilton and then they'll go in, they'll just sort of skate over that without talking about the kind of impact that a potential top 10 pick Kyle Hamilton could have. Um, I, I Do you, and yeah, maybe, like, maybe I'm I sensitive feel, to it. No, I feel like this is Notre Dame, Notre Dame's MO. They don't get involved in hyping up an individual player until it becomes the, it comes to the point that they can no longer ignore it. Like the 33 trucking thing. <laughs> By the time they got those damn hats out, Josh was back back to running for 18 yards you know what i mean like that that thing had a three-week shelf life um meanwhile oregon was putting billboards of joey harrington in times square right so this has always annoyed me i don't think it will ever change i think it's just the way that notre dame is no one individual is greater than the team blah 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 and so therefore we can't run a we can't run a preseason heisman campaign even though um you know i think I think some, you know, every once in a while, a guy deserves it, and you know, they should push on that. I think it's just, it's just hard for people don't have imagination. They don't know what's possible. I, I it, it, first of all, he, it, the last year was weird for him, just with like the ankle, sure, and he's getting kicked out of games for targeting, and he's missing time, and picks. Don't hurt my feelings. 
on this night. Oh, wait a second. He, just, he was doing wait full solid. Wait a second. Michael Budo, Greg's co-host, has said he's going to drop the the multitude of references to Kyle Hamilton's um, interception woes last season out of respect for Kyle Hamilton and the institution of Kyle Hamilton. And I feel like Brendan can do the same. If a USC guy can give it up, then uh, a Notre Dame fan can give it up. Right, well, here, right Greg? I think the difference, the difference is, is I'm coming from a place of love <laughs> in my good-natured ribbing um, because I very much so love, love Kyle Hamilton. And it's not a slight to Kyle. It's just it's just a rackle uh, Greg's feathers. He just wants to hurt my feelings. Um, no, well, so I... Fire insurance. That's all I can say. That's right. That's right. I'm gonna show up at your house. Go ahead. And, I'm sorry. And no, I, I just think gas and a so. Given 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 how found out. <laughs> given how last season was so weird and there wasn't a quote unquote just like breakout performance. I think people are are just a little bit gun shy to make big predictions. And so this is what like the, that's the whole that's the whole uh, thing about him on offense. You know, it's like, oh, can't play him on offense. You know, they have other players for that. It's ridiculous. Freaking people talk. About, like, I'm, I'm like, I, I joke about people are saying, but like people are saying like he's he could be the best safety, pro, <laughs> yeah. sa- best safety prospect ever. I don't know, man. Like, I'm not at weird. At least the best since – I mean, we can all agree at least the best since Derwin James, right? Yeah. Like, first of all, he's better than Derwin James. I think he's better than Derwin James too, but Derwin James was really the first, the last real consensus top ten guy. I think I think best, From Syracuse. best since – in all honesty, like best since Eric Berry probably. Yeah. Um, and That's then Sean Taylor – Ed Reed, that sort of thing. I, I, I mean, Palomalu is like they're just kind of different players, but yeah, I. I is stronger, but still free. But it just it it, it just like totally different games. Like Palomalu was just like a freaking. Mo- they put pa- they had Palomalu come up to the line and his ability to read the play. Right, um, like he's jumping over. Jumping, jumping over, over the linemen and stuff like it's just he knew different. Where the holes in the gap? I mean, it's so right. But I just think like it's so like it just like people don't they don't know like they just they refuse to acknowledge like what they have and and I don't and it, it kind of bothers me in that sense just because like like he is he is everything that everybody wants he's everything that you want like oh well we need these guys to compete with alabama it's like okay well then put him put him out there play him on offense too oh no 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 no. we have other players for that the other players are going to be upset what why would they be mad about that is is is, do they enjoy winning is joe is 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 joe wilkins going to get all butthurt because they said hey kyle we want to have you run routes over here is Joe Wilkins going to be like, oh, you put Kyle out here? Like, come on. Of course not. Is, like, is Kyle Hamilton taking five to six snaps a game going to prevent Joe Wilkins from an NFL career? No. It doesn't take anything away from anyone. No one would care. They, they would freaking cheer for it. 
Because, hey, like one day they're going to be like, guess what? I get to play with Kyle Hamilton. Look at this. Look at I'm on the field right there. That's me. And then that's Kyle. Or it's like, I, I just don't like. And that's the thing with three year players. players. That's the thing with three year players. Like when I look back at Jalen Smith and I'm like, what are my favorite Jalen Smith memories? And they didn't blitz him. So my favorite Jalen Smith memories are him like cleaning up plays. Yeah. And he's he was a generational talent at the position. And it just luckily Kyle's not going to have that problem where he's got a staff that doesn't know how to use his talents. But like you get the you know, you're they're only there for three years. Generational guys. Yeah. So like get the most and shoot your shot. Right. Yeah, that's going for it. In my opinion, everyone's so mad that Notre Dame is like conservative or whatever. And then I want, and I want Kyle to play offense. And then, oh, what if he gets hurt? And, and, and they got him running down on punts. I'm talking about, I, I can't. You're risking his health. Than... You're risking his health on punts and kickoff coverage. I'm sorry. I want him to run some corner routes. Yeah. By the way, Greg, I think I've said this to you before, and if it's any consolation, I know I'm uh, nobody in the grand scheme of things. I don't have any input on this, but you've turned my mind around about this. I was very much the what if he gets hurt on offense, dude. And once I heard the <laughs> you got him on uh, kick or punt coverage or whatever, I, I just it, it, you're right. It makes a lot of it makes no sense at all to say I don't care if he gets hurt, uh, you know, covering a punt, but um, you know, God forbid he gets hurt, you know, running around, right? So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Thank you, Jude. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> Greg, it was Greg. always a, pl- a pleasure to uh, to have you on the show. Uh, Brendan, I'm sorry, did you have something to add? I was just going to say that Greg did the, um, the near impossible and changed somebody's mind on the internet. So, <laughs> yes, very good, Greg. Congrats. And it was Jude's mind. I know. It's 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 uh, yeah. I feel like I should be verified for that. <laughs> there you go. Good. Put it in Twitter. <laughs> see what they say. Um, Greg, always a great time to have you on. Um, obviously missing our fearless leader. Love to do. We've we've talked about a, a forecast. We've done it one time before. We've talked about it and doing it in kind of a different way. Um, and we're still playing around with that idea, but. Uh, uh, final shout out saying I know I know we told people where to find your your stuff but uh, anything you wanna you wanna add while while we have you here um no enjoy don't 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 rip on the players that uh, commit to your program that's one um be nice to Dell <laughs> be nice to tell <laughs> Alexander online he's having a tough time right now um. And uh, I guess that's it. You know, it's gonna be fun. It's a fun summer. Uh, if you if you want to follow recruiting, the the whole month is is like there's a lot going on. So I think there's probably gonna be some commitment soon. Um, if you're ever gonna get into it, now is the time. So, yeah. Fair enough. And Brendan, last licks. Anything uh, that we forgot to talk about? That you yeah. Decided? Uh, just following up with Greg, um, be really mean to the kids that don't commit to your school. <laughs> like, just get out there and just be an absolute red just ass. Troll. Just, just Chrissy just, Teigen. No, 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 no. Just Ask kids to kill themselves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a joke, by the way. That's a joke. 
the best policy is not only be nice to the kids that commit to your school, just, just don't be a jerk online, especially the kids. Even if the, the kids that don't commit, like, um, you know, if uh, Gavin Sawchuck doesn't commit to Notre Dame, uh, don't don't get into his mentions on Twitter. Uh, leave the kid alone. That's a, that's a good one. It Say nice things to kids. Uh, try and be nice to them, even if they don't commit to your school. Perfect. All right, gentlemen, uh, that is all for this week's One Foot Down podcast. Hopefully we have Fearless Leader back with us next week. Um, catch Greg on his regular slot on the Untitled Notre Dame USC podcast with Michael Muto, known a USC fan. And for, for Brendan and Greg, uh, have a good night, everyone.